Welcome, Nexus Church family, to our new series titled, I Want to Be Like. Now, I don't know about you, but when I watch that little intro video, or if you're listening online, when I listen to that, it brings me back to my childhood. Now, I'll be honest, I was not a basketball player by all means. I like to shoot hoops. I was pretty scrappy, uh, but... <laughs> If there was one thing that anybody who grew up in the 90s, or even if you weren't young in the 90s, if you lived during the 90s, there wasn't a single person who didn't appreciate how amazing Michael Jordan was. He was a machine, and we all appreciated him. Now, this series has nothing to do with Michael Jordan, though he was pretty awesome, we have somebody else that we want to be like, right? And a lot like Michael Jordan, it didn't matter how hard you tried as a kid or if you played basketball, even semi-professionally, it became very apparent quickly that no matter how hard you tried or if you drank Gatorade, you'd never be like Michael Jordan. And much like that, when our following of Jesus, trying to become more like Jesus every day, you don't have to live very long as a Christian to realize as hard as you try, no matter what you do, you're going to fall so short of Jesus. And if you read the New Testament and you see all the things that Jesus did or didn't do or how he acted, how he lived out his life towards others and towards God, it seems almost daunting. The weight of how he lived could crush a person. I'll never forget when I was first Christian and how I read the Bible. I'm like, I'm supposed to be that? That's impossible. I am never going to be like that. And it can pretty much either cause you to run from being like Christ and like, I can't do it, so I'm going to just live my life and hopefully Jesus forgives me. Or you become so legalistic that you set all these rules in place and and, well, you hate your life, and you hate everybody else who isn't trying to live like you. And so we're trying to get past all of those actions that Jesus did or didn't do and how we are to live like him. And, and in turn, my hope for this series is that we can look at the practices of Jesus. How did he live his life that, that led him to the place where he could be patient? He could be kind. He could be understanding. He could be strong, confident. What, what was the lifestyle of Jesus that led him to be that way? Yes, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. He had the same struggles we face. He had anger. He had sadness. We see it in scriptures. But how did he experience those things, but yet still live in a holy way? Now, some people over the years have called what we're about to look at as maybe you call them holy habits. Some people would call them spiritual disciplines. There's, there's so many different things that people have called them over the years. Maybe you've called them rules of life. But what we're going to call them in our series is the practices of Jesus. Now, the reason. I like to call it practices, and I'm stealing this from John Mark Homer because it was when I read his book, it just opened up my eyes to a different way of approaching this. The, the reality is, is we're never going to be perfect on earth. 
And the moment we start saying spiritual disciplines, it makes it seem like something that we have to, like, all of a sudden, like, strive for in a way that we just, it's, it's like we have to be perfect. When we say practices of Jesus, that means that we're constantly working towards it. We're practicing, right? There is no failure in practice unless we fail to practice, of course. But the reality is, is you and I, we're in this life. We're going to make mistakes. And so we need to be able to get back up again and say, I'm going to keep practicing. I'm going to keep trying. And sometimes I'll get it right. Sometimes I won't. But if you practice anything, you realize it's not about being perfect. It's about working towards being better. It's about getting more refined in what you do. If you do any kind of sports at all, you know that practices are a good thing. Practices help you get better. And so we're not looking for perfection. We're looking for progress in this series. And so today... We're going to start with the very first practice and what it looks like to be a follower or maybe an apprentice of Jesus. I love that word that John Mark uses about apprenticeship, right? It's, it's similar to discipleship, but it's more understandable in our world today because we have apprentices everywhere who just follow a person and learn from them. So we're going to learn from Jesus some of the practices that he has. Now, we're not going to cover all the practices of Jesus because we'd be here for a long time. But my hope is to, to just be a catalyst for you to kind of go and examine these for yourself, to get into a small group and have a study about this and, and talk about how can we together work towards these practices because some of them are pretty, pretty crazy. Isn't that things that you do. <laughs> but what does that look like for today? And that's where a small group is so beautiful for this. So I'm going to introduce you to five of them over the next few weeks. And then hopefully you'll go and you'll pick up a book or maybe start a small group and study for yourself what these practices look like and find some of the other ones that are in here. And so the five that we're going to talk about are what I think are, are important to get your feet wet, to start practicing these. And so today's first one is going to be about Sabbath. Now, maybe for you, you think about Sabbath as this religious thing, right? We, we read in the scriptures, and we'll take a look today in the book of Mark, where Jesus addresses the Sabbath. And so often in, in scriptures, at least in the New Testament, Sabbath seems almost like a, a bad thing. Like there was this t- constant tension between Jesus and the religious elites during his day about how to do the Sabbath thing. And there was always arguments about it. And they were trying to corner him and cause him to have this, this discredited aspect of his ministry because he was doing things that wasn't lawful according to their rules. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Sabbath, though, itself is not something that we talk about a lot. Why is that? Why is it? Because it it is all over Scripture. Partly it's because it's not exactly active, right? It's not something that you go and you do. And and we are a culture of doing, aren't we? It's it's a passive thing. It's it's actually, it's a, a pulling away from doing things 
And that's scary in the world where it's like we, we, we so appreciate every moment of the day and we squeeze out every second that we possibly can. The Sabbath kind of flips it on its head and says, no, we are going to be intentional about not working. And so it's something that, that doesn't really go well in our society, at least in the West, Western culture. And so we have this, 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 this fight inside. And so we don't talk about it very often. We don't celebrate it when people do that. We, we look at it as almost as if it's lazy or not being really using your, your time wisely. And so Sabbath, it's, it's the Hebrew word Shabbat, which literally means day of rest. Okay? Now, it's not necessarily, obviously, in the Hebraic times, it was, it was a, a circle day. It was a Saturday, right? Now, Christians changed everything up and made it a Sunday. And there's, you can have arguments about that all along. It really isn't going to get you anywhere other than the fact that truly, as we will see, with Jesus, Sabbath wasn't necessarily a particular day. Like everything, it came back to the heart for Jesus. But Sabbath originated, of course, with Moses and his people on the mountain when he gave them the Ten Commandments. And this was God's direct word to Moses that he wrote down and he in turn read it to the people. This was a direct command by God to his people. And still today, we look at the Ten Commandments and we say, by and large, yes, we follow the Ten Commandments. And if we follow the Ten Commandments, they're not necessarily a bad thing. They're actually for our good. The Ten Commandments were for society's health. And we need to look at it again. And so we get the original command or rule of life or spiritual practice from God directed to Moses and the Israelites, God's chosen people. This comes from Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, where God says to his people, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughters, nor your servants nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Something that's interesting about this. If you've read the Ten Commandments, you probably already are familiar with the Ten Commandments, but for the most part, the Ten Commandments were pretty clear. It was straightforward. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. Right? For instance, God used four words against stealing. He used five words to speak against adultery. But here he uses 80 words to explain how we are to take a day of rest. It was pretty clear for the other ones, but for rest, there was something in there that God knew we would be tempted to forget. And he uses some explanatives to say, like, this isn't just for you chosen people. This is for all the people, even for your animals. Like, you are to rest. It is important because I rested. And I set that example for you. 
it was almost as if like God was saying, I know you need this and you're not going to see it. So I'm going to make it clear. I laid an example for you and I'm going to explain this in great detail because you need this. Now, again, turning to the New Testament, we see this all over scriptures. We see this a ton in Jesus's teachings and throughout the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, we see this constantly being a place of tension. And I want to read for you Mark chapter 2, verses 23, and then through chapter 3, just a little bit. A very short little section showing this battle between the religious elites and Jesus. And I just want to, again, plant this little seed into your mind. That look at the heart here, right? And look at the heart of the religious elites, look at the heart of Jesus, and you really get a good picture of what what the Sabbath is about and what it had become. And what we want to fight against when we start talking about these spiritual disciplines that we don't we don't get dogmatic or or ritualistic or or legalistic, if you will. We want to see the heart. God's not so much about strictness. His interest is in the heart. When you can take a step back and rest, your heart gets realigned with his. And that's what we see in this passage. So let's get to it. Mark chapter 2, verse 23. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain. Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, this is Jesus. Have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest, and also gave some to his companions. Then he told them, here it is, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So then the Son of Man is Lord even Sabbath man, Jesus was just getting them right. He was claiming to be God himself. He was using the scriptures to explain what they were doing. And then he goes on and this just keeps getting thicker and thicker. And he's already addressed this earlier in Mark. And so they're already angry about him healing on the Sabbath before. But here we go. Jesus entered the synagogue again. And a man was there who had a shriveled hand. In order to accuse him, they were watching him closely to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. He told the man with a shriveled hand, stand before us. Then he said to him, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they were silent, right? He'd already healed on the Sabbath, and so now he's cornering them. And after looking around, then with anger, he was grieved, right? Jesus has the same emotions, grieved, he's angry. At the hardness of their hearts, he was grieved in anger at the hardness of their hearts and told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and his hand was restored. It it seems almost like Jesus was like going against everything that God had established in the Old Testament, but he wasn't here. He wasn't against the Sabbath. We read in other places where Jesus removed himself and he rested. But for Jesus, as even though he practiced the Sabbath, right? He did that. He went to the synagogue. He he taught on the sin and the Sabbath in the synagogue. He did all the things that he was supposed to, so that he could 
abide by the, the rituals or the rules of the land. But when it came right down to it and push came to shove, he's like, I am Lord of the Sabbath. I am the one in charge. I'm the one who makes the rules, not you. I am God. And I'm not breaking the Sabbath. I'm saying it's about the heart. Is it good to do evil? To, to not heal on the Sabbath. And we read in other places where he addresses both the healing again and other times throughout the scriptures where he's addressing different things. And he's like, these are your rules, not God's law. These are your rules that you're following. Is it good to heal or to observe the Sabbath, to let that person continue on? And their sickness and their paralysis or to heal. And how is it work to heal? <laughs> I think that was underneath it all. Like, don't think it's evil to eat, <laughs> to pick a piece of grain and eat. You guys are taking it too far. You see, they had created rules around God's law so that they wouldn't accidentally fall into the sin of breaking the Sabbath. So Jesus was addressing. It's not about following the rules. It's about the heart. Are you seeking God? Are you spending time with him? And then you're following the Sabbath. And so today, we're going to take a look at this, this, this concept of what does it mean to follow the Sabbath? How do you do that in today's society? Right? How how do you, you 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 practice this this habit of not doing something like it just it it goes so contrary to our logic right and if it was only so easy but it's not you see we think of sabbath and we're like oh that's that's for lazy people but it's not because Every single person probably listening has a packed schedule. You don't have another minute in your day to to volunteer away your time. So you have to figure out, how do I make more time to rest? Your distractions are everywhere. And it's so easy to, to get caught up and to be led astray and not be productive. And so Jesus comes along, and he asks us to have a different mindset. And so today, I want to help you to just think this through. Right? What does it mean to take an intentional break? How can you do that? How can you process this? As I mentioned, John Mark Homer had a book. It was called Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And in it, he says that Sabbath is something powerful. It says that it makes your heart grateful and helps you recognize God's reality and his goodness. Think about that. Sabbath helps you to become grateful. 
It helps you to see things. It helps you to see God's reality. It, it removes you from all the busyness around you, and it realigns you with who you are with Jesus. There's so much in today's society struggle with identity and people getting wrapped up in, in, in either being identified what the, what the culture says we are or not, or how I feel, or my work, or my sport, or hobby, or whatever it is. We get so wrapped up in that because we're just constantly going and doing whatever we are right now. That's what we're becoming. But when we remove ourselves from all of that, and we're just with God, it becomes apparent of who we really are. And it can get scary, right? And so when we, when we enter into this idea of rest and realigning ourselves with God and focusing on him, not only does it, you have the, the enemy of your soul lying to you, saying that you're going to miss out. You're going to fall behind. You're not going to have enough to make ends meet. You need that extra money. But then you're going to step into that because maybe you can get to that point where like, I'm going to trust God on this. But then you walk into a day of rest and you get slammed with the reality that your identity has been wrapped up in all these things you've been doing. And you're not where you need to be with God. That's scary. When it's just you and him. Your TV is off. Your phone is off. You're not going here. You're going there. You're not doing the dishes. You're not taking care of little household chores. You're just sitting in the presence of God. And he's speaking to you and you're reading his word and you're contemplating and you're talking with your family or your friends. It becomes apparent like there's a, there's a hole in your soul that you've been filling it with all these things and not God. So it can get scary. And so as we enter into this, I want to give you three thoughts on how you can make that transition into Sabbath. How you can start practicing rest in your life and not give up before you even get to experience how amazing it can be. And as a disclaimer, I'm going to be real front and honest with you right now. I have not in any way, shape, or form conquered a day of rest. For the last year and a half-ish, I've been trying to make Saturdays my day of rest, and I've failed. Like, today, I just came off of a weekend where my family was gone, and I still struggled with, I needed to get a few things done around the house because I just, I, I have to do something. My body can't can't stop moving, right? And so I'm still practicing <laughs> getting better at this thing called Sabbath, rest. And there are many days where on a Saturday morning, I'm just like a bear fit to be tied. Like I, I'm just, just anxious. I got to go do. I got to go be somewhere. I got to go be around other people. And it's like, no, that's my identity is so wrapped up into those things. Maybe you don't struggle with this. Maybe you'll just hit, say, that day where you're going to start practicing a day of rest and you're going to be obedient to God's clear command in scriptures. There's not a single one of these other commandments that you'd say, no, I don't, I don't want to follow that today. Not stealing, I'm going to steal. That sounds like a great idea. Right? Like all the other commandments, honoring father and mother, not having 
committing adultery, not killing others, like honoring God with your time, like all these things. <laughs> not not slandering. It, it, it all is something that we would agree is good. So why don't we practice Sabbath? But for the rest of us who this will be tough, here's three thoughts. Here's three thoughts. And maybe even those of you who, like, you're going to hit it cold turkey and you're going to be rock stars with it and applaud you. There might be some thoughts here that could help you. So number one I want to give you is just start small. For most people listening, Sunday would be a great day for you to start small. Maybe it's just one hour after church on a Sunday. Now, I get it. It says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It doesn't say, remember the Sabbath hour. So starting small may seem pretty insignificant, maybe not even worth the effort. But we have to start. We have to start somewhere. And strangely enough, let me tell you, true intentionality is going to require a lot. Because in order to truly practice Sabbath, you're not going to be doing chores. You're, you're not going to be turning on the TV. Sitting and vegging out at the TV is not Sabbath. You're not going to be scrolling on your phone. It's going to be intentional time focused on God. Now, can have your family involved? Absolutely. If your family is is encouraging you and walking with you in your walk with God, absolutely. Does that mean that you have to shut your family off if they're not? Not necessarily, no. <laughs> Again, we're starting small, spending time in prayer, spending time in your word, maybe going for a walk, a leisurely walk, not a, for some of us, this is going to ring true, not an exertion, <laughs> right? Maybe taking a long shower, floating down the river in a tube, going for a little bike ride. What is it? Doing art, reading a, a book that connects you with God and, and works through your maybe your emotional securities. An hour, you'll find, is a great place to start if this is new for you. Start small. Start small. I'm telling you, <laughs> from experience, if your experience is anything like mine, the moment you try to start rest, true rest with you and God, the enemy is going to rise up out of nowhere and going to give you every excuse why you can't do this. Why is that? Because he understands that your connection with Jesus is strongly tied to rest. You look at countless times. Jesus goes off to be in the wilderness with God for 40 days. And what does the enemy do? He comes up against him in full force. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want him connected to his creator. The enemy hates the fact that you are the son or daughter of God Almighty. He wants to do anything he possibly can to disrupt that connection. He hates unity. He's all about disruption. 
So he's going to rise up against you. He's going to do anything he can. So let me tell you, work hard at this. Be intentional about this. Just like building muscle doesn't come easy. You have to work hard at it. True rest will take intentionality. So a second thought that I have for you, and I think this goes for a lot of people today, but maybe this won't be one that speaks to you. But I encourage you, if anything, take a technology rest. Try it. See what happens. Our, our constant connectivity has made Sabbath so tough. It's constantly disrupting. It's constantly distracting us. Phones are truly getting in the way of healthy practices. And even if you only practice this, I did this over the course of Lent this year where I took a break from social media. It was hard. <laughs> I didn't realize how, how addictive it was, even to me, because I'm fairly structured and diligent at, at my life. Like I, I have good practices in place and having my priorities placed, but I'm telling you, it was difficult. Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, says, How do you discern an addiction? Very simply, you watch for undisciplined compulsions. Now, maybe you've never had undisciplined compulsions, but the moment you set your phone down and you shut off your, your notifications, how often do you want to go reach for that phone? For some people, not. But for many today's society, it's a constant desire. And if you've read John Mark's, Mark Homer's book, he has got all of these different studies that they've done on how often people pick up their phone in a day. And if you even if you have an iPhone, you know this. You can go on there. You can say, see how many pickups you've had in a day of your phone. How many times you clicked on something. How many hours you've been on there. If you go and you read it, you probably won't be happy with what you see. So start small there too. Put your phone down at supper time. Put it away for the evening. Make that a habit. Say, nighttime, when it's family time, phones are gone. We don't look at them. But maybe that's even too hard. Maybe it's just one hour a day where you're like, I don't touch my phone. I don't care if it goes off. It's an do not disturb mode, and I don't see it. Whatever that is for you. Technology. It's tough, but you'll be glad you did. It was an eye-opening experience for me, for sure. And then the last thought I have for you is to just take it seriously. Think back to the first week in the history of the world that God created. Right? The first two chapters of Genesis describe God working, creating for six days. And then after he formed the cosmos, molded the earth, filled the oceans with water, fish, sculpted humans from dust, God took a day off. Again, just like we were talking about in Exodus, like he emphasized it for a reason. He set an example, not because God needs rest. In fact, we, Jesus even addresses it in the Gospels. He's like, I don't need rest. I'm doing the Father's business. I am here for a purpose. My 30 plus years on earth had 
intentional purpose to them. I am here to redeem the lost. Right? He didn't need Sabbath. But he chose to, to set an example for his disciples. God didn't need a day of rest after he created everything. He's, he's all-powerful. He doesn't need that, but he set an example. There was a reason. There was intentionality about it. And if he was intentional about it, we've got to be intentional about it. This is God's best for you. This is God's best for you. And I get it. You're going to have all these, these things flowing through your head. You're going to be like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Right? Again, that's why we start small. But but thinking further ahead, you're like, how am I going to get chores done? Like, I'm busy all week long, Saturday or Sunday, whatever day it is. That's my day for chores. Think how you can break all of those chores up that you do on Sunday to maybe a little bit here on Monday, a little bit here on Tuesday, a little bit here on Thursday. Start there. Spread it out. Don't save all your homework for the weekend. Do a little bit every day. Get those projects done ahead of time. It does take intentionality. It does mean, take being proactive, but you have to. Your intentionality in the little things is a big investment in your walk with Jesus. I'm telling you, friends, if you want God to speak into your life, Prioritize the Sabbath. Prioritize it. God made it a commandment, not because he wanted to weigh you down. This is a practice. It was a practice of Jesus. It was a practice of all of the Christians in the early church in Acts. They separated themselves from their everyday work. And they focused on God for a reason. It was for their growth. It was for their connection with God. I'm telling you today, as we wrap this up, you're going to have all the excuses that can come because, again, the enemy of your soul doesn't want you to experience the beauty that comes from resting. The beauty that comes from connecting back with your Creator again. Does that mean that you don't have to worry about connecting with God the rest of the week? Absolutely not. But that intentionality where you step away and you figure out how can I just take little baby steps into making time with God a priority for a day. Where me and my family just spend time enjoying life. Not filling it with things to do, just being in the presence of one another, being in the presence of God, and enjoying his creation and what he's given us. And I can guarantee you, because this is the way it is with God, it's the way it is with generosity and giving abundantly, 10% and beyond. God just continues to give when we're generous. And it goes to our time with him. When we prioritize that day, that one-seventh of our week, he gives us back our productivity. He gives us back our joy. Most importantly, 
when we put this practice into place, we become more like Jesus. Think about that. I don't have to work hard at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. I don't have to, the fruit of the Spirit, it's something that we so try hard to do. But it doesn't come because we try harder. It comes because we spend time with Him. And He fills us. And he gives us peace. He gives us joy. When we realign ourselves with Him through that day of rest, we soon become the fruit of the Spirit. We don't even realize it because we haven't tried. We've been in His presence. And so, Father, today, as we start this time learning about the practices of Jesus, I pray that there's a reason why we start with Sabbath. Because all of these other things are built off of the reality that we rest and we spend time with you. We enjoy your presence. We are filled with your presence. So I pray for every person listening that they will have that opportunity to start making those little steps, maybe an hour away from their phone every night. Maybe just starting with an hour on one day in the weekend where they connect with you and they just spend time with you. And every week after, we build on that. Maybe 10 minutes every week more with you. So that, Father, that we can become more like Jesus. For your glory. Be with your people. Give them the strength. Empower them with the Holy Spirit to do this. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Nexus Church family, for joining us for our first week and becoming more like Jesus. I hope you again come back next week when we talk about the second practice. Can't wait to tell you what it is. We'll see you then.